You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. So like I said, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed. Um, This is the way. This is what we believe. More specifically this week, we want to look at that first article, just that first sentence of the Apostles' Creed. That I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And if you'll forgive me, I do need to stay a little bit close to my notes this morning, alright? This is the first declaration of faith in the Apostles' Creed. Now, we've read it together many times out loud, and we will do so again before the Lord's Supper this morning. But why? What is this thing, this creed? Where did it come from? When did it come from? Why use it today? And how can something so old express what we believe today? You know, as well as I do, that Christianity, something that is nearly 2,000 years old, is easily, regularly, and deeply misunderstood by many people. And the Apostles' Creed was crafted in order to avoid common misunderstandings, and even to fight off false teachers that would misunderstand on purpose. Now, If you were to ask a random Christian today what they believe, you would probably get a whole range of strange answers. If you were to ask an unbelieving person, you would probably get the exact same range of very strange answers. Only they would say it with less confidence and more confusion and probably some laughter. If I were to ask you, or even myself... We might say, well, I believe in Jesus, or I believe in God, or I believe in the Bible. To which anyone would have to ask, well, what is it that you believe about God? What is it that you believe about Jesus? And what is it that you believe about the Bible? It's a big book, you know. Are you saying that you uh, believe, uh, you know, when the prophet was made fun of by those small children and then he cursed them and a mama bear came out and ate them all? That, that that's the type of thing that should be happening more often? Is that what you believe? It sounds humorous, but it's a legitimate question to ask. And so the answer that you or I would give this morning would probably be pretty weak to begin with. And this is why starting around the year 100, all right, and just to give you a little bit of reference, this would be about 10 years after the Apostle John died, the author of the Gospel according to John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, right? About 10 years after his death, five years after his death, somewhere around there, um, around the year 100, a creed started being written. Before that, you had the apostles teaching and simple statements of belief. Um, Those would be found uh, recorded for us by Paul oftentimes in his letters. They would be hymns and poems, things like this. But 
even Paul was writing to specific people at a specific time to answer specific questions. And so, the early church, generally together, uh, decided to start using similar language to what we find in the Apostles' Creed today. And that was called the Old Roman Symbol, or the Old Roman Creed. What does this word creed, symbol, mean? It simply means, I believe, or I trust. And then different churches in different regions, they would switch a couple of the phrases around and reorder some things until around the year 200, when the wording that we read today together, even in many different languages throughout the whole world, was accepted. All right, so what is it? I think we got that. Um, or at least we've got a good place to start. Where did it come from? Check. I think we've got that too. Who wrote it? Well, it is based upon the apostles' teachings, and it was a team effort of the church throughout the known world at that time. But we need a little bit more. What's the why of this thing? The how of this thing? The Apostles' Creed was accepted as a decent summary of who God promises to be for you, as well as a good public confession of the faith. In fact, the Old Roman version was written to help Christians out as they did what Jesus told them to do in Matthew chapter 28. That as they went to all kinds of people everywhere, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that He had commanded? Well, what's one easy way to do this? What's one easy way um, to teach people as they are being baptized, as they come to faith? And, and what is the content of the teaching that they should be given? How should it be ordered? And so, many of the followers of the apostles decided we need a tool to do this. And then came the Old Roman Creed. What better way to teach people what salvation and baptism in the name of our triune God is than a teaching outline? A creed that at, at your baptism you could then be questioned on and you could recite so that you could be publicly identified with Christ and His church. So that the old identity that you had would still be there, but it would be covered over by this new identity that you were given by Christ in His death and in His resurrection. Along with that, this, uh, this tool, this creed, becomes um, the, the implement that is used to start forging this new Christian community that's spreading out throughout the world. Another purpose of the creed is to quiet the mouths of false teachers. Now, you might not realize it exactly, but when you say this statement with, together as a church on a Sunday morning, um, you're also saying what you are not. So, for instance, you cannot read the Apostles' Creed honestly and be Jewish, Muslim, Mormon, Jeho Jehovah's Witness. You can't hold on to the gods of your ancestors, and you can't believe that only God the Holy Spirit is working today. Now, you're not excluding others, but you're saying this is what a Christian is, 
And this is what a person who is saved believes. It's also an invitation into that community. Along with that, this small little statement that takes us a minute to read. This small little statement of belief positively says that God is three in one. So it affirms the Trinity, the three unity of God. It also causes us to confess that the world was not an accident, but that God actually created it. It brings us to the place that we can confess Jesus' miraculous and atoning work of His birth, His life, His death, and His resurrection. And also, in it, you can see what a Christian is, where you can find Christians, and what it means to have the Holy Spirit. I would challenge you to go home this afternoon and write a one-minute statement that holds all of that information in it. Not really, though. Okay, that'd be a waste of your time. We've already got it. It's called the Apostles' Creed. (laughs) Another really cool and interesting thing about the Creed is that while the church was still passing around the letters of Paul and Peter and John and other writers, and passing around the Gospels, and passing around John's apocalypse to make sure that everyone had read all of these documents, um, they needed a good summary of the teachings of Scripture. Uh, They needed something that was more easily memorizable than the entire Old Testament and all of the letters that they were receiving from the apostles. And so even though these things had all been written, they had not all been tied up together in one book that would still take another 150 years. There needed to be a summary of what it was that Christians believed. And so, the creed became a good summary, a decent summary of those God-inspired documents that were being passed around the churches. So how is it that we can use this over the next three weeks and over uh, in the life of our church. Well, we will use it like it was used in the early church over the next couple of weeks as a teaching outline to make certain that you know what you believe and why you believe it so that you will know that this is the way. So here's our big idea for today. The all-powerful one who created and sustains all things is your God and Father because of Jesus. The all-powerful one who created and sustains all things is your God and Father because of Jesus. I believe for all of us to stand around week after week and say I together does seem a bit strange to me. Because we're a we, right? (laughs) When I choose songs for our gatherings, which, as a note, you're all welcome to join in on, not saying that every song will be chosen, okay? I try to choose songs that have less I's and me's and more songs that have us's and we's, okay? But why would we say I believe? Is it because we're selfish individualists? No. Uh, Look, I choose songs that have I 
or me in them, when they are a good confession that any Christian throughout time could have spoken. Also, when it is directly applying the work of Jesus to your life. At least in part, that's what the creed is doing here too. And there's something happening when we confess the creed together. It's not you standing alone saying, me believes this. No, you're an echo with everyone else standing around you. Everyone saying in unison, I. Not only that, but in different places all throughout Hermanus even today, throughout the world, people are going to be reciting the Apostles' Creed. And they're all going to be saying, I. And there are many languages. And despite all the cultural differences, everyone is going to say, I, this morning. As like an echo from one time zone to the next throughout the world. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Also... When you recite this, all the Christians from the last 1,800 years that have recited this, you are saying, I, right along with them. You are claiming this faith for yourself. And claiming that God the Father has claimed you for Himself. When you say, I believe, you are upholding the fact also that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And to believe. Well, we know that this is to trust. It is an expression of our faith in words. For all to hear as a public declaration. Paul also tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that this faith, this belief is a gift freely given to us by God in Christ and expressed through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So whether you mean for it to be or not, this is a denial of all other gods and all else that you would be tempted to trust in. It is a statement which goes against all cultures because all people, nations, tribes, tongues would demand that you be like them, that you respect what they have going on and eventually be shaped into their image whether or not you would ever be truly accepted. All people everywhere have a culture that holds a beauty of its own. And yet, in the hands of sinful people, each culture demands a denial of Christ in favor of their preferences. But the creed pulls together what we believe the Bible teaches and pulls us out of the deadly cycle of creating our own identities and instead invites us into a new people who are defined by what God has claimed them to be. I believe in God. Now, many people would make that claim. 
But Paul tells us many trust in idols and demonic self-creations, including you and me. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, Although there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Paul knows that there are many people and things that claim to be God. And those little gods exist. But the God that we confess is different. How? Well, twice now, in the verses that have been read, we've actually heard that all things exist because of God, and it's also because of Him that all things keep on going. Why? Which is why the creed, in the creed, we also confess that God is the creator of heaven and earth. When we say such a thing, we're making a scientific claim. Now, we're not making a specific scientific claim, like this is how long it took or this is when it happened, but we are making an observation and a claim about the world. We are saying that the world and all the stars above it did not happen by accident or by some random incidents out in the distant heavens. We believe that God, on purpose and out of nothing, created all of this natural world that we see and all of the universe that we do not see. Now, it is true that Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that we believe that we can look at nature and know that God exists. But, if we were to just simply look at nature, I think that we would be a little bit confused about who God is. Here's what I mean. Every night, I hear this little buzz in my ear. <laughs> and this buzz in my ear is a mosquito. Do you know that in the world, there are 3,200 different kinds of mosquitoes? And do you know how many mosquitoes different kinds live in South Africa? 113 different kinds of mosquitoes live in South Africa. You know what that tells me about God? He loves mosquitoes. Right? <laughs> Something like that. Or, I just read yesterday that 82 people died in South Africa during the summertime, this past summer that we had, because of rain. I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's people drowning. I don't know if it's people getting washed away in the night. I don't know what's going on, but what I do know is that that's kind of horrifying, right? We hear all kinds of COVID numbers. When was the last time you heard about summer rain numbers and the number of people that died? Or the fact that I read yesterday that, on, that there are more people that have died on Table Mountain since the year 1980 than have died on top of Mount Everest since the year 1980, okay? Okay? 
That's a crazy number. Nature is horrifying. I love nature. I love being in nature. I love experiencing nature. And yet if I just go out to nature to meet God, I am going to be surprised because I'm probably going to fall off a cliff, be devoured by mosquitoes, drowned, or get eaten by a baboon. That's what's going to happen if I go out into nature. In so many words, this is what Job is saying at the end of his story. Or what God is presenting to Job. Were you there when I made the foundations of the earth as God's speaking to him out of the whirlwind, out of the hurricane? That's a, that's a frightening vision for who God is through nature. Which is why, yes, we confess that God is creator. But we also need to go back a couple of words in the creed and hear that he is powerful. In fact, he is almighty and he still cares. Which is why then we confess, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The Father Almighty. Because, because God is almighty, he can create, but he also can and continues to sustain or keep things going. The author of Hebrews tells us that God not only created by His Word, but that He also upholds the universe by the, sorry, by the Word of His power. He is Almighty. He tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, blameless. The psalmist writes, The person who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of who? the Almighty, Psalm 91. And John, in his final letter, writes of the vision given him by God and four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He is constant. He was, He is, and He is to come. And He sustains and maintains and upholds all things. The writer of Colossians tells us that Jesus is actually the one who does that, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And yet, before uh, His almightiness in the creed, it's infinitely important to understand the description of who God says that He is. If we only saw God through nature, if we only knew Him as being all-powerful, we would rightly be confused and frightened. But we also know Him as Father. I believe in God the Father. Some people rightly ask the question, if fathers are the model for God, and they abused us or ignored us or left us, and what does that say about God? It's a common question, a legitimate question. The only problem with that question is like all things, sin has reversed this question and turned it back in on ourselves. We confess God the Father. He is the Father that all other fathering relationships should be based upon, not the other way around. Said another way, we often look at our earthly fathers and say, if this is what God is like, I want nothing to do with Him. 
when the reality is um, God is actually meant to be the model for fathers on this, in your father and my father, for you as father as well. Now, if you had a good father, then know that God blessed you. And you can take a second now and thank God for that. If you had a bad father, well, whether you see it or not, you are comparing him to a standard that you did not know. You understood something was off. There was something not right. And the reason why you knew that is because you actually do have a good father. The father who created you and sustains you. He's a giver of gifts. He blesses his children. He loves you. So much, in fact, that God, his, that, that he made his only son to make... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting all flustered now. He loves you so much, in fact, that God gave His only Son to make you His sons and daughters. The God we confess and believe in is so close to us. So close to us and so loving that He does not only call Himself our Father, but His Son told us to pray like this to Him. Our Father. Relationally, God is our Father. He loves, He protects, provides, and lovingly rules over us with His almighty power. Now, it is true that God is the Father of all living things because He made and sustains them. But specifically, He calls Himself your Father our Father. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 sums it up in this way. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. I need to bring things to a close this morning. Though there is a whole lot more that we could say about each and every one of these words in this first article of the Apostles' Creed. In order to bring things to a close, I'm going to need help summarizing it. And fortunately, because this statement is so old and has been used for the last 1,800 years, there are plenty of people who have written on it. One more time, here's our big idea for this morning. The all-powerful one who created and sustains all things is your God and Father because of Jesus. The catechism, that is a teaching tool, like the creed originally was for the church. The catechism that we used last year says all of this way better than I do. And it's done in a question and an answer format. So here we go. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth? Answer? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by His eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father, because of Christ the Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt that He will provide whatever I need, for body and soul, and will turn 
to my good. The catechism summarizes my good as salvation. He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. And God is able to do this because he is almighty God. And he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.